It's the Southcliff Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Dr. Elliot Higgins joins us today and teaches about prayer. Let's listen. My name is Elliot Higgins. I'm the serve pastor here at Southcliff. Our senior pastor, Dr. Marr, is out today. He's on vacation. He is healthy and doing very well, uh, but I am filling in for him. And I brought something today. It's an hourglass. I know you're already looking at your watch saying at lunch, better come quicker than that. Don't worry, this will run out before we are finished. It's not a, a true hour. But what this symbolizes, people of God, is our life. Everything about our life, everything in our life, is designed to run out. It is designed to fail, to leave us wanting. It's designed that way. The Bible says that all of creation has been subjected to futility. Meaning we wake up in the morning, we go about our day, sun goes down, we go to sleep, we wake up, we do it all over again. We eat breakfast in the morning, by lunchtime we're hungry again. It doesn't matter what it is in our life, there's always this cycle where it fails, runs out, leaves us wanting. My intent is not to leave you depressed this morning. If you're a guest, we're so glad that you're here. We really are. But this is the truth of our life. And it doesn't excuse the fact that we're hungry, we're thirsty, we need a roof over our head, we need clothes to wear. These are things that are a given in the physical realm. We cannot divorce that. Those are things we apply ourselves to. However, what we are good at as human beings is we take these issues. I've got to pay my mortgage on the same time every month. I've got to put gas in my car so I can get to work. I've got to put food on the table for my family. I've got to do certain things. It is a physical reality that I live in. But what we do oftentimes <clears throat> is divorce the physical in the spiritual. We do not see how they're connected. It's hard for us to see how they're connected. So what this looks like is we go to church on Sunday morning. I believe when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. God is working things out in my life. This is great. I pray. I read scripture. But on Monday morning, I've got to go into the office. I have to do these things. I've got to sell insurance. I've got to fix engines. I've got to do find more clients and sell more product, whatever. There are things in your life that don't go away. That is a physical reality, but we separate them. This is a physical truth in my life, and God and the spiritual is somewhere over here. So what God has done in the passage before us, we're continuing in a series called Refocus. What he does here, he has one of the I am statements. This is one of the seven that he makes in the Gospel of John. And what he's doing is he focuses our attention on a physical truth. We all have to eat. We all have to drink. We all need shelter. There are things that we have to do. We can't separate ourselves from it. But he shows us how God is connected to it. It's not separate. You don't need church stuff here. And, and when I die, I eventually go to heaven. That's true. But God is at work in every single detail of our life. However futile they may seem. However big or small, God in the full power is at work in them, in your life. That is his intent. His intent is not that we just survive and get through to another day. His intent is to move with power in every detail. That's an interesting thought. 
But that's what God is declaring to us today. He's showing us how there is a physical need that he is working through with power. And you're going to see that play out. But then he gives us two tools. At the very end of our passage, there are two tools that he gives us that allows us to engage this. We have a physical reality in our life, physical needs that we have to do, physical responsibilities, but God is connected, interwoven, and he is on top of it. And so these two tools allow us to get in behind him. They allow us to engage the power of God in those details. You may be here today with a heaviness on your shoulders. There is something in your life that is just astoundingly heavy. You wonder how you're going to get through it. Could be a financial issue, health issue, wisdom on how to raise a family. You may be reading the news and how countries invade other countries. What's next? What's coming? How do we engage this? Well, what God does is he gives us two tools to engage the fullness of his might in every detail of our life. Here's what we're going to see. We're going to be in John chapter 6, and we're going to begin in verse 25. Let me give you the context here. We pick up after a miracle has already happened. So what what we pick up from, Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. Scripture says 5,000 men. Estimates, they've got wives, they've got children, maybe 30,000 people. We don't know, but there's at least 5,000 people who have been fed from a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. So he has fed thousands of people. This is a physical need. We can't separate that God in the spiritual is working in the the physical. He is connected to both. He cares about the physical needs of his people. So he has just fed 5,000. He gets on a boat, goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee to Capernaum. And from there, this crowd says, where does he go? We need to go find him again. He just fed us, and it was easy. Let's go find him. That's where we pick up today, is now they have found him, they've located him, and there begins this dialogue between these people that have just seen a miracle of God working in a physical sense, and then he gives them these tools. Now, what Jesus is doing, he's refocusing their attention from a physical Viewpoint, one that we all share, the physical needs of our life. He focuses from that to the spiritual, to Him. Focus our eyes on God. And what we're able to do is it's not separate, but we begin to see how God is at work in every detail. Now, it doesn't matter what detail you brought with you today, God is going to now show, He's going to bridge that gap. And he's going to give us two tools in which we can fully engage him in the strength of God in every detail of our life. That's what we're going to see, this bridge back over to that to help us refocus on the things that he has. So we're in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. We're going to read through this section and then come back and work through it piece by piece. We'll see how God is working through this. Verse 25, it says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, (coughs) when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then he said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? 
Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? And work, what work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. This bread of God <coughs> is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And here comes the big one. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What we saw is we see that Jesus just fed them and, and worked this miracle of feeding them bread. There is a physical need that they have that was met by a spiritual impact on the physical realm. Jesus, through the power of God and the power of the spiritual, this this heavenly power was applied to this physical need and met their need. We know that God is at work in the physical realm because we see him working in the physical realm. So he doesn't want us to stay so focused on this physical realm that, that time is running out and there is failings and shortcomings and hardship. That's a reality. But what God is doing is he's pulling us out of that and showing us what God is doing in the grand scheme of things, working through this. So he's fed them, and then they find him, and he begins to bridge the gap. We're focused on our needs, and then he's showing us how we refocus on him, and then after this bridging, he's, we're now focused on him, that's when he gives us these two tools of which we can carry on with power in the details. So let's look back at this very first part as he's building, building this bridge. Verse 25, they found him on the other side of the sea and said, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Stop there for a second. The whole reason why you are coming to me in the first place is because you're focused on a physical. You're not focused on what God is doing. You're not focused on the will of God or what he's, his ultimate purpose, this eternal perspective. You want another loaf of bread. You're focused on a physical. I've met a need, now you want me to meet another need. You're so focused here, you're missing the fullness of what God is doing. It is a common place for us, people of God, that we go to work and we go pay our mortgage and we pay our phone bill and whatever else. We're focused on this. We come to God and say, Lord, I need this. I need you to solve this. And, and God is saying, we've got to remove that kind of a mindset. It says, don't, you came here to look for your fill of loaves. Verse 27, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Don't work for that. Don't focus here. That word work means to apply yourself. Do not apply yourself to focusing on this that goes away. Everything in life is designed to fail, to leave you wanting to run out. You stay focused on that, that's the sum total of what your life is going to feel like. It says don't focus and apply yourself there. Rather, I want you to step back and watch. Don't work for the food that perishes, but the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. There's a contrast. There's a work and there's a gift. Focusing on this is work. Focusing on the Lord is a gift. It's free. There's a whole difference in perspective shift that he's trying to pull us out and saying, stop focusing here. I want you to focus on me. It's a gift. I'm giving you this rest. I'm giving you this power. 
Watch what he says. For on him, the Son of Man, on him, God the Father has set his seal. Two key things. He's using a phrase that they would understand, the Son of Man. Son of Man is a reference back to Daniel chapter 7, where we see God in human form. There's no doubt as to what he's referencing here. This is a reference to the Messiah, God in flesh. So he's calling himself this Son of Man. He is directing their attention to him. But then he says, we see the fullness of heaven play out. The Father, God the Father, this other person, the Trinity, the fullness of God has set his seal, his stamp. What this means for you and I is that the fullness of God, the full might and majesty and glory and power and honor and riches, all of this that God has, has been stamped on Jesus. The fullness of that. That means what he's inviting us to has the full direct attention of God and all the force of heaven. That's what he's trying to say. Stop looking at what's running out. And I want you to focus on me. Because the fullness of God is at work. But you're failing to see it because we're focused. I wonder what issue in our life exists today that we brought with us that we're focusing on. Something heavy in our life that God brought us here and he says, your focus is entirely on that. But today there may be something different that we need to focus on. Look with us as Jesus continues to say, I want you to shift your focus off of this work that that doesn't last and focus on me. So they say, they ask him this question. You're going to see. They say, well, okay, if we're reshifting our focus, what do we do? How do we do that? Watch what they say. Verse 28. He said to him, what must we do? How do we do it? To be doing the works of God. Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Watch that. What must we be doing? I want to see this, this seal of God, this stamp, this power, this, this intensity of heaven focused on my issues, on the physical realm around me. I want to see God move in every detail of my life. What things do I need to be doing for that to happen? I'm glad to ask that question because one of the things that we know is that God is at work in every detail. So what do we do? So they ask him, what are the works of God? Plural. Did you see that? Works. What are the multiple things? Jesus responds, singular. This is the work of God. One thing. This is significant to us to notice. Jesus is refocusing. The fullness of everything God is doing in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of nations, in all the history of the world, the singular thing that he is doing is working with this key word, that you believe in him who he has sent. The fullness of God's working power is focused on the belief in Jesus. That's good for us. We don't have a mix of things that we need to be doing to get this. There's only one thing God is looking for. There's one thing that all of the attention of God is focused on. It's the belief in Jesus in what he's doing. And Jesus is not aloof and separated from the physical things of your life. In fact, the Bible says that all things in creation was created for him, by him, and is held together by him. He is the sustaining power of everything. He is the one who is putting air in your lungs this very minute. Did you create that air? 
Did you purchase it? God is the one who is sustaining. So he's pulling our attention back and saying, I want you to focus exclusively on me. And I want you to believe exclusively on me and the things that I'm doing. Verse 30, they said to him, you want us to believe how do we go about doing this? Watch what they say. So they said to him, what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? We want to believe you. We want to see God moving. We want that in our life. We want to see the power of God at work in every detail of our life. So how do we do it? What work do you perform? Is there something that you do that we see and we say, I see that? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're connecting back to a story in the Old Testament. The nation of Israel came out of Egypt and they were hungry. And God provided, much like this, bread. This bread we called manna. It was a wafer-like substance of bread that, that showed up like dew on the ground each morning. And they would go out and they would gather this and that was what, how they survived for 40 years in the wilderness. So they're saying, look, we've seen this miracle before. Is there something else? What, what is this that we need to see and believe? How do we know that we're believing in the right thing? These are questions. I believe these are questions that God poses to us. I want to see God move in my life. I want to see that power. I want to see how he works through the challenges that I'm facing. How do we go about that? I know that it's about belief, but how is it, Lord, that I believe? How do I believe? Watch what he says. <clears throat> Jesus says this. Verse 32. Jesus then said, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, sir, give us this bread always. Here's what he's saying in this part. As he's tying our attention, pulling it from the stuff that's falling, things that failing and leaving us wanted, they're hungry again. He's, he's pulling their attention back out. He says, here's the deal. I am the bread. I am the sustainer. He says, the Father gives you true bread. It didn't come from Moses. They're using scripture saying Moses did this, and he's saying, no, this all came from God. Moses prayed, but God is the one who delivered. This is a wake-up call for them, as it is a wake-up call for us. It means that even though our needs are being met, we say, hey, this need was met because of dot, dot, dot. It was met because of Moses. This need of my life was met because I had the financial resources in my bank account to do it. This need was met because I had the best surgeons working on this problem. This need was met because whatever. But the bottom line is, the need was met not because of those, but because God. God is a sustainer. God at the root of everything is the one who is delivering health, healing. He is delivering provision. He is delivering peace. He is the one that is sustaining everything in your life. Whatever the significant struggle, in the minor, most minute little details of your life, God is at work in them. Period. And so he is refocusing from this physical. I've met this need because of God. He's showing us how God is intimately at work in every detail of the physical realm. From the bread that they ate to the lives that they lead. And you as well. You were created for a life that no one else can fulfill but you. That you weren't designed to just survive. You were designed to accomplish things that God set in your life. No one else, he didn't put you in ancient Rome, he put you here. 
He puts you in the family that you have, even if it's a crazy family. The American way right there. But even if it's a crazy family, there are things that he's got you there for a reason in which you are able to navigate and learn and trust in him and be a light. There's a whole lot of issues that come from that, but God is at play in every detail. And he's working something big through that. So he's drawing your attention off of that and putting it on him. And it gives life to the world. To the world. No longer is he talking, this is a, a life given to the people of Israel. This isn't a life to those who live a righteous life. This isn't a life that's to those who are white or those who are or Asian or those whatever. He's saying this is to the world. We sang with the people of Ukraine a moment ago in Russian because there are believers all over the world that God is giving a life. He is sustaining, doesn't matter who or what the situation. That's what God is doing. He's pulling our attention back to him. But now it gets good as if it hasn't been already. But here's what we see. God has been building this bridge saying, listen, I am working in the physical realm. The full might of God, the seal of God, the Father is on this. I am doing miraculous things, working heavy in every detail. And what's different is it doesn't run out. Every word you say, every act that you do, every challenge that comes into your life, God is working in a failing world for an eternal perspective. Everything that you say, do, touch, taste has an eternal perspective. God is working something eternally through that. Think about that for a minute. But that's what he's inviting us to see. That's what he's inviting us to be a part of. And now he gives us two tools in which we can engage that. He gives us two things. God's still at work whether you believe it or not. He's going to be doing what he's doing. But what he's inviting you to do is to join him in this. To live a life where we can engage and see and join God in working with power of heaven in every detail. And he's given us two tools of which we can engage that in our life. We see this in his final verse. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. He's not divorcing himself from the physical realm. Instead, he's saying, this bread that you need, that's who I am. I am at work here. I am is a direct reference back to the Old Testament. Moses asked God. God told him, you're going to go tell Pharaoh to free my people. And he says, well... What happens when these people ask me what God sent me? Who are you? God replied, I am. I am sent you. Tell them that. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. I am the God who has knitted you together in your mother's womb. I am the one who destined the day that you would be born. I know the hairs on your head. I know the day that you're going to breathe your last. I know all of this. I am the sustainer and creator. I am. And Jesus is saying with great intensity, I want you to focus on me. I am the one who sustains. But I'm the what? The bread. The sustaining force. Now here comes our two tools. Now we know who he is. We've focused on him. Two ways in which we engage that truth in our life. He says this. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Two tools. Number one, come. Come. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. This is that first tool. This is how we engage with God, with our physical challenges, our physical life, and God is at work. This is how we engage him, with him, in every detail of our life. We come to him. What this means is we step back from being independent. We're focused on the things of the world, the things that fail, and we're constantly applying ourselves to it. We constantly pat ourselves on the back for making this next rent payment. We constantly work through that. Instead, we step back and say, God is the one who's making provision for this. There is a difference between being independent and being dependent on God. Come to him. Now, here's what's key with this text. These two words, come and believe, they're present tense. When I ask people, do you know the Lord? Yes, yes, I, I, I put my faith in him and maybe they can even give me a date. July 4th, 1978. Great, I'm glad you did. That's past tense. Jesus is calling for a present tense. And what's unique with the language here is it's not only I want you to come to me now and believe in me now, but continue to do so. It's not a past tense once and done. This is something that we cling to. I come to you right now. I come to you with this situation and I will continue to come to you. That's the first tool is this come. Get over what we think, how we can solve this problem and we come to the Lord and we recognize his work there. Come. But then, the next one, whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The word believe, same thing. It is a present tense with a continuation. You believe in me now and continue to do so. This belief is what the whole work of God, he just mentioned, the, all the work of God on earth, no matter how big or small, is summed up on this. This is what he's looking for. I want you to come to me and fully believe in me. The full might and intensity of the focus of God is right here. And this is what I mean. It's a tool that he's putting in your hand and saying, will you believe in me in the midst of this challenge? In the midst of whatever you brought with you, will you believe in me? The word believe can also be translated trust. Will you trust in me? Will you come and will you trust? Here's two questions that sometimes help when it comes time to trust. These are two questions that I ask myself in a sticky situation, shall we say. Number one, put it up on the screen if you don't mind. The first one is, does God know the details of my current situation? These questions are not directed to God, okay? These are directed to you. God knows the details of your situations, but this is a reflection for us to stop and ask. If God is saying, I want to work with might and power and intensity in every detail of your life, and what I want you to do is come to me and believe. I want you to trust in me and allow me to work through this issue. We sometimes step back, and one of the challenges we have is we do not somehow trust in the Lord. This question helps us think through that. If God God knows all the details of the situation, some of which you don't even know. He knows what cell is replicating in your body right now. Do you know what cell is replicating? God does. When you stop and think about all the details that God knows, it allows you to relax. This is how we learn to trust him. Ask this question, does God know the details of this situation? 
The second question, does God have a plan for my future? If God knows the situation and all the details, does he have an action plan of moving forward? Well, what we do know is that God's perspective is eternal. It is far and beyond anything that we can see. It is something that lasts forever. That is what God is up to. So if we know that God is at work in the details and he knows where he's wanting to go with this, it certainly allows us to step back and bring it to him and say, I trust you with this. A present tense trust. <coughs> there may also be somebody here who's saying, I believe in God and all this. And I, I know I've, I've heard how God has done miracles in, in people's lives. I'm not sure that it's going to happen with me. Here's the question. I believe God brought you here to ask you to trust him with that. And you're going to have a time here in a few moments of where you can lay that at his feet and allow God to move in the details of your life with great power. There are two tools that are laying on your lap. Come and believe. Some weeks ago, I guess it was about a week and a half ago, we had an ice storm, and maybe two weeks before that we had another one. My son, Elijah, is two years old, and I have learned more from him than I have in all the years of schooling, I think, as far as what God must think of me and how God interacts with us. This snowstorm came through, and it was cold, as you know, but I remember our house is nice and warm, I like it that way. It's in the 70s. I've got a fireplace going. I'm comfortable. Elijah wants to go outside. Great. It's 15 degrees out there, son. We're going to get our coats on and we're going to go out. He doesn't want to put on a coat. I'm not faulting him. I was the same way. I'm not putting on a coat. Dad, it's 70-something degrees. Secondly, that coat keeps me from being able to play the way that I want to. I can't run. I can't maneuver. It kind of pokes my arms out. These are the things that I don't want to do. It cramps my style. I am not wearing a coat. But what my son does not understand is that it's 15 degrees outside. The coat is necessary. It cramps his style, he doesn't like it, but he doesn't see the big picture. That is a simplistic vision of what God is doing. There may be a challenge in your life that you're saying, why in the world do I have to walk through this? Why in the world do I have to face this? Why do I have to face it again? Why does this have to fail? And we don't understand that God, through this situation, like putting on a coat on a two-year-old, knows that this is preparing for something else that you don't even know. There is something even bigger that God is doing. There is an, an intensity to what he is accomplishing in your life, and there is no accident at all. And there is not one detail, no matter how large or how small, that God does not have an intention of moving in and through you. God gives us two tools today. Come to me and believe in me. A present tense right now. And continue to do so through the rest of your life. I want you to continue to bring it back. You may have come here today joining us online with something in your life that God's bringing boiling up to the surface. There's something that you're not believing him for. You haven't brought to him. You're handling it in your own power. You fail to recognize that God is at work in the physical realm as much as he is in the spiritual. That the two are connected and he is wanting to accomplish great things in and through you. And you have the tools right now to fully engage that. Come and believe.
And today we're going to have a few moments of prayer. You don't really need me. You need God. Prayer of where we bring whatever that is and we say, God, I'm bringing this to you. I come to you present tense. That's what he's asking. And I'm choosing to trust in you. I'm choosing to believe that you have a plan and a purpose. Does God know the details of that situation? Does God have a future in mind through that? Everything in life runs out just like this hourglass just did. Everything that you work toward, all of the, the details of your life will leave you wanting. But if you want to see the power of God move in every detail of your life, come and believe. That is what God has given us today. Now, if you don't mind, stand for just a few moments. We're going to sing a song. And during this, you sing, make it a heart cry for what we're singing. But would you take a minute and stop and just pray? Ask the Lord, is there something in my life I'm not believing you for, I'm not trusting you in? Is there something in my life I'm accomplishing on my own power that I need to come to you? How is it, Lord, that I engage these two tools? I want you moving in my life through this situation. That's what God's design for you today is. That's why you're here. He wants that. And today you do business with him as he leads. If I can be of assistance, I'll be down front. If you're here today and you've never surrendered to God, you come to church, you're a good person, wonderful. But you don't know him. You haven't ever come to him. You sure don't believe in him, not in your own life. Today, you can solve that too. That's probably why you're here. Because God knew that today is the day that you need to make that decision. We can do that by just asking him to forgive us of our sin and start anew. I can help you with that as well. You don't need me. You need the Lord. So in this time, let's pray. In your seat, sing whatever business you need to do with God. This is our time to do that. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.